Take your Bibles and turn with me to Psalm 23. We are not in Romans today. We're coming to the Lord's table, and with the exception of last month, for several months now, I have, when coming to this table, done a message or a meditation or thoughts on one of the Psalms. We, we sang Psalm 62, and about four months ago, as we came to the Lord's table, we sang that, and I preached on Psalm 62. I'll not be shaken. Though everything around me is falling apart, and though all the enemy is coming against me, I will not be shaken, no matter what, because my hope, my trust, my faith is in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. Today I want us to go to a very familiar psalm, Psalm 23. And I want us to think about how the Lord's Supper, this supper that we're going to take today, points us to the great shepherd. Now, when we come to the elements today, I'm going to protect you, just in case I am communicable. And Pastor Todd's going to come and serve with Mark. I'll oversee the, the carrying out of it, but, but he will serve to the plates to the deacons, and that way you won't get my handling. I started to get some rubber gloves out of the kitchen, but I thought, nah, this would be easier. It'd be a little bit too much to, to do the rubber glove deal. But I want us to think about how this supper, these elements, the fruit of the vine and the bread that was taken on that night, how those elements point us to the great shepherd. Follow along as I read Psalm 23. You know it. You could probably quote it by heart. I could. But if I quote it by heart, I'd quote it out of King James. So I'm going to quote it. I'm going to read it out of ESV, okay? So it won't be quite as confusing. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Uh, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, Lord. That's the implication there, the, the unstated word. You are with me, Lord. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The Lord is my shepherd. There are many places in the scriptures that, that we're called his sheep or a part of his flock, especially in the Psalms in the Old Testament. You find in Psalm 79, 3, the psalmist writing, so we, your people, and sheep of your pastor will give give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Or Ezekiel 34, 31. And you, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. So we see that, especially in the Old Testament, but then tearing over into the New Testament, in John chapter 10 and other places, Jesus talks about himself being the great shepherd. He is the shepherd of the sheep, and the sheep are his followers, and his sheep are you and me who are disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, doesn't that make you feel good? I mean, sheep are about the dumbest animals that ever walked the face of the earth. 
Now do you still feel good? I mean, you know, Jesus is not saying you, you wise ones who rose up and followed me, but he's saying you are my sheep. I've called you by name, Jesus says, and I placed you and adopted you into my flock, into my family. You, you are my sheep and I am your God. But I love what David does here in Psalm 23. Because in this psalm, David really does, in that first verse, make a major switch. Notice what he says in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord there is the great personal name for God, Yahweh. That, that's the name that Moses was given when he was brought out of the wilderness back to lead his people out of the land of Egypt. And, and Moses said to him there in the burning bush, when God says, go and lead my people out of Egypt, he said, Lord, who shall I say has sent me? And, and God said from that burning bush, he said, you tell them that I am has sent you. Yahweh has sent you. I am that I am. I'm the one that has sent you to bring my people out. Not, not the God who was or the God who's going to be, but the God who is. I am all eternity. I'm in existence. All eternity I have been. There never was a time when I have not been. There never will be a time when I will not be. I am the mighty Lord God who, who loves my people and cares for my people and works in the lives of my people. Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Now I want you to look at these two words kind of like this. You can see both my hands. He's the Lord who is also my shepherd. Because in taking on that title, the Lord God, the one who reigns forever and ever, the one who is the true great shepherd, Jesus Christ, all, all of a sudden has become the lowest of all workers, a shepherd. Taking care of dumb sheep. He, he has now become, he has now named himself not just the Lord God, although he never ceases to be that, but now he takes on the identity of a shepherd, one who cares for his sheep. Jesus adopted that same terminology, as I already said, in, in John chapter 10. We are a part of that flock composed of believing Jews and Gentiles. So it's easy to see how this, this psalm has application, not to just David's day and not just to the nation of Israel, but also to Christians in our day. Jesus said, I am your great shepherd. You are my sheep. And, and he used the uh, parables and used the sheep of the shepherd and the 99. When they're 99 are in the fold, but there's one that's wandered off. He says the shepherd leaves those in the, in the sheep fold, and he goes out into the wilderness to find the one who has wandered away. And he puts him on his shoulder, and he brings him back in so that the, the hundred are there. Uh, the the imp, uh, implication being and the picture being that God cares for each sheep so much that not even one will ever be lost that truly belong to him that truly are his. And they come, to, they come to be loved by him and cared for by him in a very special way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Remember as a child, I may have told you before, as a child I, I used to read that all wrong. You've got to be careful reading scripture. Twist it around real easily. I used to think it was saying, Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want him. Lord's my shepherd, I don't want him. That'd be being a good sheep, probably, to say it that way. But he's talking about provision here. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not go lacking in anything that I need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Sheep, us, are the most helpless of animals. However, we belong to the one who is self-sufficient, inexhaustible, and utterly unchangeable. And because of that, we will lack for nothing that we need. Nothing that is something that will keep us growing in Him and moving toward Him. He is sufficient for all things, and He says, I care for you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he provides for His sheep. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Those verses really are talking about not only does He give us the provision of food and and, and shelter and things we need, but He also gives us rest. And we, we can spend all day talking about what is the Sabbath rest. For six days the Lord labored and created everything that there is, and on the seventh day, the Scripture says, He rested. On the Sabbath day, he rested. In the the Ten Commandments, the Lord says, you know, you shall shall keep the Sabbath day holy. Because that is a day unto the Lord. And you shall keep that Sabbath holy, that rest day holy. It's to be important. It's It's not for worldly amusements. It's not for anything except him. Now, we've moved from the Sabbath to the Lord's day as believers in Jesus Christ because primarily of his resurrection, but that does not change the holiness of this day. But it also doesn't, we don't want to miss the point that our real Sabbath rest is not in a day. Our real Sabbath rest is in a person. Our Sabbath rest is in the Lord. The Lord who is my shepherd, he gives me rest. David says, he leads me beside still waters, he he makes me lie down in green pastures, and, and I don't know a lot about sheep. I, I just know they're dumb, and I know I act like one a lot of times. And, and it's, he says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm told that sheep are not easily made to lie down. They're very untrusting. But this shepherd gives us rest. He makes us lie down in green pastures, leads us beside still waters. I'm also told that sheep are afraid of, of running water. That if there's running water and rapids running, the sheep will run from that. They can't, they get all anxious about it. You may do that too, physically and literally, not just spiritually and figuratively. But he says, he leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He gives me rest. Our rest is in him. Our rest is knowing that the shepherd has got it under control. Our rest is knowing that it's not up to me if it's to be. But it's up to our shepherd. It's up to our Lord. It's the one who cares for us more deeply than we could ever, ever imagine. It's the one whose love runs so deep and so rich toward those who belong to him that it's just a matter of understanding that great reality. He says, as we're resting, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's kind of interesting that tonight when we start our grace equipping classes and I hope you if you haven't signed up you'll sign up and, and I hope you'll be a part of it. If you, I hope you'll not just say oh, I'll go once or twice but you'll keep it up. 
every one of our grace equipping classes at some level is dealing with righteousness. Pilgrim's Progress is leading toward righteousness, moving toward the celestial city, moving toward the, the city of God. And, and Pilgrim's Progress is talking about the righteousness of a believer and how we get there, not of our own accord, but by the, the Lord taking us there. We, we also have, have the, the mortification of sin. We, we have, have talking about how you put sin to death. That's dealing with sanctification. That's dealing with righteousness. We have, we have disciplines of grace by, by Jerry Bridges being taught. And, and that disciplines of grace is disciplining ourselves for righteousness. What David's talking about here. Even the counseling course on the theology of counseling is talking about leading one toward the righteousness of of their God. And the ladies class talking about the creation and in the beginning, this is what God created us for. This is what God created us to be. So it's amazing how all of these classes that we start tonight sort of dovetail into this theme that David is so interested in here. He leads me in paths of righteousness so that I can feel good about myself. No. So that I can be puffed up and say, God's led me into righteousness. I'm a righteous person. No. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's another way of saying for his glory. He leads me in paths of righteousness down the path, down the road, the right road, the straight road. That's what David prayed in Psalm 139. Search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thought. And see if there be any hurtful way in me. And lead me in the everlasting way. Lead me in the everlasting way, which is the path of righteousness. For his namesake. For his glory. I'm convinced that a lot of people look at the church today and they say, well, the church is no different from us because they don't see a lot of people walking in the way of righteousness for his name's sake. They see a lot of people saying they're Christians and pursuing everything that every lost person ever pursues, but not pursuing righteousness, not desiring righteousness for his name's sake. I think they, they look at the church and they say, well, they've got as many problems as anybody does. I mean, unless you've been hiding in a cave somewhere for the last seven days, you know that last Sunday, the Houston Chronicle published a, an article, a three-part article, the rest of it came out on Tuesday, saying, uh, talking about sexual abuse within Southern Baptist churches. The, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram did it in, in other Baptist churches not long ago, but now it's in Southern Baptist. It's really zeroing in, and, and they've got 700 victims and 200 and some odd uh, perpetrators of, of sexual abuse. And, and we can easily look at that and say, oh my gosh, we need to just shut the doors and close it down. No, we don't need to do that. We do need to be sure we are careful about who we call as pastors and, and, and who we put in leadership positions and who, where we put volunteers. They need to be, we need to know they're seeking the righteousness path of God and, and that the, the, the Lord really is their shepherd they're not their own shepherd because that's what happens a lot of times. You say, well, boy, Baptists really, that's horrible. We, we must be a terrible people. But, but it's happened in the Catholic Church. It's happened in Pentecostal churches. It, it's happened in all sorts of different varieties. It's, it's not a denomination problem or not a, not a church problem. It's a sin problem. It's a depravity problem. 
It's a problem of people being placed in leadership positions who really don't know the Lord. And I can tell you stories about churches I've served in in the past where it seemed there for a while, I was, I, well, I only served four churches, but it seemed there for a while, the first two, I followed a situation that was horrendous in just the type situation that these articles are talking about. Now, they're not included in this stuff because that was 30 years ago or more. Psalmist says, listen, if you're in Christ, if he is your shepherd who leads you beside still waters and who makes you lie down in green pastures, that is, if you find your rest in him, he leads you in the paths of righteousness for his namesake in the world in which we live. For his namesake. For his glory. he gave himself these elements talk about his blood they talk about his body his body was not broken his body was not crushed his body was hung and, and he had no broken broken yeah easy for me to say no broken bones to fulfill prophecy when they came along to to break the legs of the perpetrators on the cross and, the, and the, the malefactors who hung next to him, when they came and broke their legs so they would die more quickly, they said, he's dead. He's already dead. They were shocked by that. But you see, it was, not because, it was because it wasn't their crucifixion that killed him. Now hear me. It was the instrument that brought it about. But who who who? killed the Lord he gave up his spirit for us he said it is finished and father into your hands I commit my spirit he died at that moment that's how much he loves us that's 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 what a good great shepherd he is he gave his life for me Philip Keller in his book, Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, says it's almost impossible for sheep to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. He said, one, they must be free of all fear due to their timidity. They must be free of all fear. The Lord God takes away our fear. Jesus takes away our fear. That's, that's we sang that this morning over and over. He is the one who takes away our fear. Secondly, they must be free from all friction with others of their kind. Sheep tend to be social animals. We tend to be social animals. When there is friction among others in the body, it's hard to rest in peace. It's hard to lay down in green pastures. It's hard to, to be what you're called to be when there's friction with someone else in the body. That's why the scripture tells us we're to, we're to confess our sins to one another. That doesn't mean that I'm going to call on, on uh, Arthur Crawford a minute. Arthur, come up here and stand on this stage with me and confess all your sins to us. It's not what he's talking about. Arthur just went under the chair. 
Uh, that's not what he means. What it means is that when you have sinned against someone or someone has sinned against you, you need to go to that person and confess your sins to one another and restore that relationship so that there will not be friction within the body, within the flock. And you might say, well, they sinned against me, so it's not my responsibility to do that. It's their responsibility. No, Jesus said if someone sinned against you or if you sinned against somebody, either way, you go to them and you make it right. Don't let it fester. If sheep are irritated with one another, they can't lay down and rest as the shepherd intends for them to do. If, if you're irritated with another believer within the body, you cannot lie down and rest in Christ as you need to. Third thing he said about um, these requirements, they must be free of all pests before they can relax. Flies and parasites will torment them. Well, we have pests within the body. It's called sin. It's called distractions. It, it's called things that keep our eyes off of Christ and, and we are irritated by these pests. We can't relax while there are pests. Pests come in the form of unregenerate people who try to exert leadership or exert their way. One of the things we are talking about earlier about the style of worship, it's not about the style, it's not about the preference that you have, it's about what does God want and what has He said is right. And then the fourth thing Philip Keller said was they must be free from hunger. They will not lie down if they feel in need of food. He takes them to green pasture so they can eat. He, he provides for them. When we come to this table, we need to think of this as food from our Lord. We really do. Food that he has provided and that food is himself. I, I used to love when Roger Nicole, one of my heroes of the faith, who used to talk about the Lord's Supper and baptism, said, isn't it amazing that Jesus took the two most common things we do to talk about our walk with him? Bathing, water, we all need to bathe physically, and, and the baptism pictures our cleansing, our bathing by Christ, in righteousness and eating we all like to eat some of us more than others but we all have to eat and and jesus took the two most common things we do take a bath and eat a meal and said these are the things that will remind you of what i've done in your life i'm your great shepherd i'm feeding you with myself i'm bathing you with myself and my grace and my righteousness I'm doing that work in your life as only I can do. You can't do it yourself. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's who he is. That's what he does in this meal. As we don't just take a piece of bread and take the, the cup and say, okay, eat it, drink it, done. We say, this is his body that is given for us. 
His body is given that I might find rest, spiritual rest in him, and I take it and I eat it as a part of, of that. And this cup, represented only by the fruit of the vine that has been squeezed out so that it can be poured out, the, the cup, which says, this is, Jesus said, this is my blood, which is the blood of the new covenant. You can find rest in that covenant relationship with me and a covenant relationship with one another. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil. You are with me, Lord. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff kept the sheep going in the paths of righteousness, in the path that he wanted them to go. Now, I love this statement. Not so much from David as, as much as from Spurgeon. Spurgeon's interpretation of it. David said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy shall follow me. Spurgeon used to say, Every Every good shepherd has some sheepdogs. No shepherd would take a large flock out into the wilderness to, to graze or whatever without sheepdogs because the shepherd by himself with just a rod and a staff can't always keep a large flock. So he had sheepdogs, and those sheepdogs were trained to, to keep, him in, keep them in line and go to the edges and push them back together. And so, so Spurgeon used to say, God has two sheepdogs. They are goodness and they are mercy. That's their names. His sheepdogs are named goodness and mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, pursuing me, keeping me in the path of righteousness all the days of my life, and I will dwell with him in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell with him in this life, and I will dwell with him in the life to come, because surely his sheepdogs, goodness and mercy, will be used of God to keep me in the path. I like that. What's he saying? He's saying God's goodness and God's mercy are watching over you. Every step of the way. Will you veer off like a dumb sheep sometime? Yeah, you will. If he can't reach you with his staff and his rod and yank you back, then a sheepdog will run you back in. Goodness, his goodness and mercy is going to follow you all the days of your life. As long as you're on this earth, if you are his, if you're a part of his flock, it will he, goodness and mercy is going to pursue you. Follow there is a word that can also be translated pursue. They're going to pursue you right up until the time you leave this earth. These elements... Show us goodness and mercy of the Lord. These elements show us His provision in all that He does. These elements are to be taken by believers to remind them. Lord, help us if we ever make it ritual and routine. Lord, help us if we ever just say, give me the bread, give me the cup, eat it, drink it, I'm done, let's go. Lord, help us if we don't sit there as believers and think about what these elements represent. His body given for us on the cross. 
his blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out so that we might know God, that we might have relationship with him and relationship with one another that is based on our, that's what John says in, in 1 John, our relationship with one another is based on our relationship with him who gives us life. As we come to this table, prepare your hearts. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I invite you to the table. It's not our table, not Grace Baptist table, it's not the Baptist table, it's the Lord's table. If you're here, I invite you to share in this with us as a fellow brother or sister in Christ. If you're not a believer, I ask you to do this. Let it pass by. Just let it pass by. But as it passes by, if you're not a believer, I ask you to think about that body and that blood that was given. Given for us as we come to him. Bow with me if you would as, and prepare your hearts as we prepare this table. You might even pray right now, Lord, show me if my heart has grown cold. Show me if I've left my first love. Show me if I'm just acting like a dumb sheep right now and trying to do my own thing. that be the case, Lord, lead me to repentance. Lord God, bring us to the cross as our good shepherd, as our great shepherd, as you bring us to this table. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As our deacons prepare to serve this, you continue to pray.